Fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here on this Monday afternoon. Glad to have you with us here. T.C. Martin Show. Hope you had a great weekend. Yes, NBA playoffs. We got a lot to talk about, don't we? Including bench decorum. How's that? What kind of decorum do you have, Numchuck? He has a pretty bad decorum. <laughs> yes, Dallas Mavericks. Can I find you like... Like the NBA is finding the Dallas Mavericks. That's what I should do for your decorum. Like Don't that. say a word. Don't say a word. <laughs> Jam-packed show coming your way today. Oh, yeah. We got all kinds of great stuff to talk about. The former center back in the day, Olin Polonese, is going to join us. We talk a little NBA playoffs with him. Yeah, we got some Major League Baseball to hit on a little bit later on as well, too. Uh, Jeff Nadu is going to join us, uh, who I... Shares the screen with me in the mornings for our MLB show on BetUS TV. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Just from Philly, and we'll talk a lot of uh, uh, a lot of Philly stuff there, including food, because you know how I feel about that. But uh, yeah, Jeff, from, uh, formerly from Barstool Sports, um, uh, co-host uh, with me on the MLB show, so we'll get him on today. Talk talk a little bit of uh, NBA as well as Major League Baseball. Marco D'Angelo will join us next hour. Marco hit the preakness. He called it. On the show Friday at the Cosmopolitan, nailed it. Oh, yeah. Big time cash. Hit the exacta, trifecta, superfecta. Okay, we'll talk about an exciting uh, Preakness. Also exciting PGA Championship. Went down to the wire yesterday. Dive into that uh, as well, too. TJ Reeves will join us from Tampa Bay. The Bucks sideline reporter. Talk a little uh, NFL and, of course, NHL playoffs. So we've got the entire gamut that we're covering today from the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, uh, horse racing. It's all covered. You got it here. So a jam-packed show. Once again, we appreciate everyone for joining us. So, yes, uh, let's uh, kick it off, or should I say tip it off, and start talking a little NBA playoffs with what our eyes saw last night. What do we expect to see tonight? And the Golden State Warriors are on the verge of sweeping the Dallas Mavericks. Is it over? Sounds like Jason Kidd even kind of thinks it's over. All right. Yes, the Warriors going to Dallas last night as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. All the money came in on the Dallas Mavericks. Not so fast with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green and company. And what about uh, what about Andrew Wiggins? Kayvon Looney, outstanding stuff there. All right, we'll talk about that. And then tonight we have a game number four, the TD Garden tonight with Boston trying to even this series with the Miami Heat. we got some injury updates. We'll talk about that. But let's start the show with uh, one of my all-time favorite former Sacramento Kings back when I was in, in, in Sacktown, my hometown. Played 14 years in the NBA, not only uh, with just the Kings, but uh, came up with the uh, Seattle Supersonics. I mean, us old school guys, we remember the Seattle Supersonics. Yeah. Uh, Clippers, Pistons, Utah Jazz. 
OPP, as I like to call them, or just OP, Old and Polonese. What's up, my man? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm good. Glad we finally get a, ch- a chance to connect here, man. And OP, it's been a long time since I actually saw you back in the day. I mean, we're talking about back in the day at Arco Arena. <laughs> the world famous Arco Arena. That's right. Or as I used to like to call it, OP, the gas station. You know, that's how you. My first game at Arco Arena, I was like, this may be the loudest thing I've ever been in. No kidding. And a lot of fa- a-, a lot of fans don't realize that, man. But as players or as media guys, you know, you're covering there, and and especially when the Kings were good, and I know they really got better after you left. Uh, but you, you were still there with some good teams. But, man, th- those early 2000s, there was that four- or five-year window where the Kings actually had it going on. But, OP, they haven't been any good since. Yeah, it's been a struggle. You know, a lot of teams go through stuff like that, ups and downs. You try not to because, you know, the good, the real good teams try to rebuild as they're winning, mm-hmm. you know, so guys can come in. You know, the San Antonio Spurs, we've seen it now with the Golden State Warriors and uh, several other teams that are able to do that. But it's unfortunate because there are those teams, you know, unfortunately like the Sacramento Kings that, you know, they just have had a bunch of bad luck, bad decision-making, bad draft picks. You know, I was um, with somebody the other day online talking about, you know, somebody. they said, uh, man, I wish we could, you know, I think the, the, te- the tweet was Luca for the number four and something. I was like, you know, you had the you had Luca outright in 2008, <laughs> right? So, this is true. <laughs> he was all yours, right there. But you know the thing about that. After I made the statement, I'm like, well, does Luca become Luca if he's with the Sacramento Kings? Mm. Hey, I think you and I know the answer to that, right? I think we know the answer to that. He still would have been Luca. <laughs> it's just, man, the Kings have just had so much unfortunate. Uh, you know, nonsense. I mean, from coaching hires uh, to bad drafts and just it just can't get it right. It's too bad, OP, because you know, I mean, we both lived there and I, you know, I grew up there and was there for so many years. I mean, it is a great it is a great town, a great place. The fans are so passionate there. And, uh, you know, one of one of my best friends, and of course, I know you know him too, is Big Bill Cartwright. You know, he's from SAC too. And we talk about this all the time on the show. That Bill just says it's just, it's mind boggling that, that SAC just can't get it right because those fans really deserve uh, a lot better. But yeah, I mean, 16 years, the longest of any team not making the playoffs. That's, it's downright embarrassing, is what it is. It is embarrassing, but it's 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 fixable. Yes, if Ron Adibay wants to fix it, and I don't think he does. He's basically his exactly what's happening. He's falling into the Donald Sterling trap of the old Clippers. Mm. But I have the team. I'll just put something out there. Okay, stay in the black. You know, I don't care if I win or lose. I stay in the black. Keep making my money, and whatever happens, happens. Mm. And it's unfortunate. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to go out and get the best coach, the best GM, I'm going to pay them, get this team back on track. And until they do that, they're gonna, it's going to be 17 years, 18 years, 20 years. Because that's a recipe for disaster, what they've been doing, which is to just go get low-cost you know, low coaches, low-cost general managers. Mm-hmm. you got to spend money. To, to make money and to win games. Yep. You're going to have to invest. 
And you damn sure going to have to get the right people that know how to do the draft evaluation to get the right players. We have a draft coming up right now. I know who they should take, but I, I'm guaranteeing they're going to go against the grain. You're probably right. Hey, how about those times for you with the Kings uh, in your time in Sacramento? How do you look back on those times, OP? Man, my life. You know, Sacramento became home to me, and it was like all my kids were born in Sacramento except for one. You know, my, my youngest daughter was born in Salt Lake City, but everybody else was born in Sacramento. You know, that was home. First time I ever purchased a home was in Sacramento. So it, it, it was a second home to me, and I just loved it. I loved playing on the Kings. You know, when we made the first playoff appearance in Sacramento. I was on that team. So it holds a lot of special memories for me. You know, some of my closest friends were Kings players. It's just, I mean, when I talk about missing basketball, that's probably the team I missed the most outside of the Seattle Supersonics when I first got drafted. And for those that don't know, I mean, when you played, I mean, you were so accessible. Uh, and I remember that we came across each other. I mean, you probably don't even remember you know, doing basketball camps because I was actually coaching high school basketball at the time, you know, back there. And, uh, you know, the, the Kings were such a community-driven, you know, team and stuff like that. And, again, you know, I mean, you were – you were hailed as, as one of the favorite players that many Kings fans had there. And, you know, we don't see a lot of that anymore, OP, as you know. But back there with that community, again, that was the only team. It really still is the only team that they have in that community there. And when the Kings first moved there in 85 from Kansas City, I mean, it was like, wow, you know, we're getting the NBA. And then with this team, and it didn't matter. You know, put through, uh, go through some of those losing seasons. But, you know, now it's like, okay, they tasted that success. It's been a long time since they've had that success and but fans still show up to the golden one center yeah they definitely do because they are loyal and you know you got to reward the loyalty of the fans as well you just can't keep you know taking advantage because well we know they're going to show up because we're the only game in town that's not fair to the fans and that's why i get upset about a lot of this stuff you know because it's like I understand in business, you know, everybody's trying to make money. But, you know, it's got to be a give and take a little bit. You know, the fans deserve that in Sacramento. You know, they had that heyday, you know, with Weber and Divas and all that. But it's like, and I think that's what happened because because of the success Vlade had with the team. Then he became a GM. And, you know, I love Vlade to death. But I know he made quite a, you know, if he had a chance to cha- make some different choices, I'm sure he would agree that there were some different choices that could have been made to help the, the Sacramento Kings franchise. Well, one thing that took place, OP, when you were playing with Vladi, he was flopping, but you weren't flopping. Remember that? <laughs> well, Vladi, Vladi's been event, so <laughs> it's like whenever play against him, it's like, oh, he's going to flop. So I used to go to the referee and say, okay, can you just please watch it? Because I'm not hitting it as hard as he's making it seem. <laughs> <laughs> so we got it. We got another uh, another guy that uh, we you know uh, we both know and that sort of thing, and that's Bill Lambeer. I know you played with Bill uh, for a couple years in Detroit, and of course, you know Bill just retired here from uh, as the president of the coaches of the Las Vegas Aces, and we got a chance to uh, give Bill a retirement ceremony over the weekend, so that was pretty cool. But uh, how about some quick thoughts uh, about you and, uh, and one of the bad boys? Oh, 
William Lambier. <laughs> Where do I begin? I know, right? I'm the only teammate I had that I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. We, we thought we would just uh, get Bill Lambier on the phone with you right now. Here we go, Bill. No, I'm just kidding, OP. Just kidding. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, listen. I Look. I, I love Bill. I respect Bill. You know, I, I, tremendous, I had tremendous respect for him. His work ethic, his mindset, you know, but he was probably the dirtiest player in basketball. And so, you know, but, you know, I, you know, the stuff I said earlier, you know, it's, I'm just joking around. But right, I just right, right. loved the guy as a teammate, hated him as an opponent. And, you know, he, he gave you everything he had. You know, and he loved, he relished in the bad boy uh, persona. He really relished that. And so people like that, I always have respect for, you know, making more out of less, you know, but he still was a talented man. Don't get me wrong. He could knock down shots. He was a hell of a rebounder. He was a very good defender. And so, you know, he doesn't get a lot of credit because of everything else within the bad boy persona. And so, but he, 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 he's a guy, I will definitely go to war with him. Definitely. Hi, this is Bill Lambeer. <laughs> and I'm sure they're going to play the whole thing there. There you go. Yeah, so uh, that's funny. That's funny. So, OP, you got to tell the story because I know this story. When you came back to Sacramento, and I can't remember if you were with the Sonics or the Jazz at that time, where basically you got serenaded by those hometown Sacramento Kings fans who once cheered for you and loved you. But you got serenaded, didn't you? I did, you know, and that was one of the worst moments. It hurt. It broke it's my terrible, heart. man. <laughs> terrible. And I'm it, sorry to even bring that up, but uh, I know that you can joke about it. And then, and well, I, 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 I not so much joke about it. I'm just, I'm too old to deal with crap. But, um, you know, and I think, you know, me and Grant Napier, we've since, you know, We've reconciled that whole thing, and, you know, he apologized to me. I apologized to him for, you know, things I said because, you know, it was basically one of those things that happened. You know, he made some comments about me hating Sacramento and hating the team, which was nonsense. But, like I said, we got it resolved, and I don't want to go back there. But, you know, it did hurt because, like you said earlier, I was – I was all about Sacramento. I was all about the community. You know, I don't control trade, and I don't control whether the team re-signs me or not. You know, when Sacramento didn't pick up my option and re-sign me, I just went somewhere else. You know, I had to, you know, I had to go get work somewhere else, which is what I did. I went to Seattle, and so I never expected to get booed like that. But I turned it around. You know, because every time I would score a basket, I would chant along with them, and it kind of it died down because we ended up winning the game. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. The, from what I remember, I mean, their chant "OP." I couldn't believe that. It was just horrible. And again, you know, you brought you, you brought up a guy's name that I don't even need to. We need to even bring up because that that's you know you know um, that that radio host. We don't even need to talk about that about that guy. But anyway, that, that's ridiculous, man. That's ridiculous. And you were chanting back though. That's what I liked about it. Come up. Yeah, what I liked about it, though, is like you were kind of like being an orchestra leader, and you were just like saying, yeah, go ahead, you know, and you were chanting yourself. That's what cracked me up. With my imaginary baton, I was O.P. sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's how you flip things. Exactly. You know, but again, it hurt. The initial hurt me. But then once I calmed myself down, 
you know, and got into the game. And it was like, okay, I, I get it. I'm good. I still got to perform. I'm a professional. You know, get the job done, and then you you know. But again, even after the game, when people ask me about it, yeah, I was I was in tears. And when I got back to Lockham, I literally I was in tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just 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 horrendous, horrendous. Uh, Olin Polonese joins us. Uh, he was beloved in Sacramento. He's been beloved wherever he played. Fourteen years in the NBA. OP, we've seen many instances, uh, more so recently now, where fans are taking it to another level. We saw the Chris Paul incident uh, in Dallas. We've seen fans chain themselves to the basket standard, uh, glue themselves to the floor. I mean, just ridiculous stuff that we're seeing, whether it's protest or you know people wanting attention. Uh, and in the Chris Paul incident, it was a, a shame where you know fans are like berating his wife and kids and that sort of thing. From a player's perspective, and I don't know if you ever went through anything like that. Give me your thoughts when you when you see fans go to this extreme. Oh, I, I, I've experienced it. I've had beer doused on me, you know, in an NBA arena. And so it's like, but we're not allowed to say anything. We're not allowed to do anything. We can't even flip them off because we get fined. But yet, you know, the NBA, they they don't do anything. They don't do enough, rather, you know. And it's unfortunate because you never know who it is. There's 18,000, 20,000. You don't know which a-hole is going to be that day. And so I, I get that. But I always used to say, you know, it's funny how everybody feels empowered to do stuff like that in the arena. But if you saw them out on the street, they wouldn't do anything. They'll probably most likely ask for an autograph. And so to me, you know, that's the cowardice in a lot of this stuff. And, but the league has to do a better job. You know, I, used, I remember one time I went to a game and this is once I was retired. They gave me such a hard time just to go down to the floor, and I had a pass, and they were still giving me a hard time. And I'm like, but somebody could just run out onto the court? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. You know, I'm seven foot with the pass around my neck, and you give me a hard time, but somebody just goes out on the court. <laughs> Wait a minute, OP. Are you sure they didn't have you con- uh, confused with Charles Oakley? Huh? Were you at M- were you at MSG? Did they have you confused there? No, it wasn't MSG. It was at uh, at Staples, and I know oh. everybody at Staples. It was crazy to me. But again, it's like you know, it is what it is. We're our society now, you know, and I don't want to go get on a rant, but our society, you know, we we we're losing our way a little bit, mm-hmm. and some way somehow it's going to have to get pulled back in because, but you know, definitely the players need to feel safe at work. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if you got to beef up security or even, you know, do what they do in Europe and and put the glass, almost like hockey. Right. You know, you're right. Just have the pitch down there and that's it. And then we play the game. We saw Steph Curry uh, get tripped last night by a vendor. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, uh, at the Dallas game last night. So it was the, at the end of the first half, and Steph was uh, went up to defend the shot, and then he, he's running back down court, and all of a sudden he get there, he he trips and he falls, and people are thinking, oh, you know, because everything we're talking about here, everyone's thinking, oh, fan, fan, fan. Here are these guys, you know, paying paying the big dollars and sitting in the front row there, and they go back and they look at it, and it's a vendor. 
It's a guy who's who's selling the hundred dollar beers or, or or whatever right there, and he's like kneeled down, and he's got his foot on the court, and yeah. and, and Steph trips over. Is like really, and I don't know about you, but just, it just irritates me that we have fan. The NBA is the only sport that sells tickets to these fans where they could actually be closer to the coaches than some of these players are on their own bench. I mean, it's insane, yeah. and they're doing it for the almighty dollar, but you don't see it you know, in college basketball. You don't see it in football. You don't see it in baseball, but you only see it in the NBA. And like you mentioned, like with boxing or UFC, I mean, you have, you have barriers you know, around. You, you can't get to, next to these guys, but why are they allowing these fans, you know, their feet are on the court next to the head coaches? Yeah, because you can charge five, ten thousand dollars for those seats. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, and that's the bottom line for for a lot of these teams and for the league. It's like, hey, we got to make the most money we can. And you're right; it shouldn't be that way. There should be some kind of barrier, you know. So we have to find a happy medium between what we have now and what we had during the bubble. Yeah. How they had that set up. Mm-hmm. So. The NBA, Adam Silver, they need to come with some kind of happy medium. You know, move them back a little bit, separate, put some partitions, something. But something has to be done. OP, what do you think of the game where it is right now, where it is just a three-fest? I mean, you got seven-footers like yourself that are just, you know, willfully firing up threes. Teams are living and dying by the threes. In that game one where Dallas faced Golden State, Dallas was 11 for 48 Golden State was 10 for 29. These two teams combined for 77 threes. Game two with Boston and Miami, they combined for 74 three-pointers. You go back to the the last round, Boston-Milwaukee combined for 72 in in a deciding game seven in that Dallas-Phoenix one. They combined for 73. And let's don't forget, when Memphis played Golden State in one of those closeout games, they combined for 89 three-pointers. I mean, could you imagine going back even 10 years ago, even five years ago, that, that we would be saying this, that the teams are, are combining for 70 to 80, some, close to 93-point shots a game? What's, what's well, wrong here? It, it, it's the evolution of the game. There's nothing wrong per se. It is the evolution. You know, you want people want to blame it on Steph Curry? Go ahead, blame it on Steph Curry. But you got to remember, we had guys shooting long distance. We just didn't have the lines. Right. You know, and then they drew the three-point line, and then all but guys were still like, "Hey, I'm not shooting it." You know, so now I try to tell people all the time: there's a big difference between being a three-point shooter and shooting a three-point shot. It's a big difference, and a lot of these guys in the NBA are not three-point shooters. You are somebody that can take a three-point shot. Okay, I can go out there. And shoot a three-pointer, but I am not a three-point shooter, okay? And we need to understand that. But the teams that will still win the game, like Dallas versus uh, Golden State, they can shoot all them three-points all they want. But the Warriors made more points. You know, they get the points in the basket, then they play defense. So all the other components of basketball comes into play. And that's why they are 3-0. So it doesn't matter how many three-pointers you shoot. Okay, you still got to do all the other things that come into play within basketball. You know, getting layups, you know, getting defensive stops, rebounding. And that's where, you know, you're going to decide the champion. So right now, everybody wants to live and die by the three pointer, but 
If you're not good at it, <laughs> you will definitely die by it. <laughs> I don't know if you know the number or not. How many threes did you take in your entire career? Nine, it's either 19 or 23. It's one of those two numbers that's in my head. And I think I was like three for 19 or six for 20. <laughs> okay, okay. There you Something go. like that. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. I was, and all of them were at the buzzer. Oh, right, of course, right? I got to get it up. Yeah. (laughs) That is crazy. Old Apologies joins us. Okay, OP, before we let you go, uh, how closely you've been watching both both of these series here? I watch every single minute of every game of every NBA season since I've been retired. (laughs) That's my man. There it is. All right, so uh, Warriors, they get the job done last night. They're up 3-0. I don't know if a lot of people just overvalue Dallas or they undervalued the Warriors here. But what we're seeing here from the Warriors, it's uh, really reminiscent of, of what they, they did, you know, during that run, you know, three and four or five years ago. But, uh, you know, the pieces have changed a little bit. But, man, they are getting some great production. Give me some quick thoughts about the Warriors and the Mavs. Well, the Warriors are pretty much the same team as before Clay's injury, you know, and everything else. You know, we replaced Kevin Durant. With Andrew Wiggins, you know, more of an athletic guy. But when he's on, he's re- I'm not saying he's Kevin Durant by no means of the imagination, but he's hes very formidable. And so you have that. You know, you still have Kevon Luna, who's a rebounder. He's undersized, but it doesn't matter in this league because Shaquille's not playing, Patrick Ewing's not playing. So it doesn't matter to him. And like you said, all the big guys want to stand outside anyway and shoot threes. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You're playing into the Warriors' hands. Now, the Dallas Mavericks, I'm surprised that they're in here, but I'm not really shocked, only because I, I had a feeling they would beat Phoenix because Phoenix got a taste of it last year, and they got besides themselves this year. You know, And the key component and the key moment was when Devin Booker did the Lucas special thing. When he faked the foul, injury, whatever, yeah. and then he rolled the Luka special. And Luka basically, you know, went at him and the Phoenix Suns. And so, to me, they just got a little arrogant. And instead of playing basketball, they just did a bunch of complaining. So, Dallas won. But Dallas should not assume that the Golden State Warriors are the Phoenix Suns. And that's the biggest mistake that they could make, and that's why they're about to be swept. You got that right. You got a good analogy there. Boston in Miami, what do you think happens the rest of this way? And we've got injuries that have come up here as well, too. We know Kyle Lowry's been injury, injured for Miami, and now uh, Jimmy Butler is hurt, and yeah, we Tyler. know that uh, we, Tyler Hero is not going to play tonight. Uh, give me some yeah. thoughts. How do you think the series plays out? Well, Miami went and got the win that they needed to get. So they're playing with house money right now, technically. So even if they lose this game, so it's almost like, hey, we, you know, it's 2-2. And then we go from that best out, of, best out of three the rest of the way. But I do like Miami. Jimmy Butler getting hurt, I think he'll be fine. But um, Boston, I just don't know which Boston team is going to show up night in and night out. And that's a cause for concern if I'm Udoka, you know, and the rest of the Boston Celtics. And so Miami, you know, both teams are very strong defensively. So now it's going to come down to matter who can make the most shots, you know, who can make the most plays. You know, they're not all great three-point shooters, but they will shoot them. 
And so with Tyler Hero being out, I'm going to give the edge to Boston tonight. But again, it could go either way with this team. They are so evenly matched. Yeah, and the the game where Boston did win, they hit twenty of forty threes. I mean, they shot fifty percent. Hit twenty. I mean, that's just the way it is. We saw that with Milwaukee too. I mean, Milwaukee is going to live and die by the three, and they're going to shoot themselves in a game or out of a game. And it seems like Boston is that same way. Dallas is that same way as well too. And it's just, you know, it just seems like you know the Warriors can win. You know, even if they're not hitting a high percentage of threes, because uh, you know the way they move the basketball and share the basketball is just phenomenal. Exactly, but that's not why Milwaukee lost. Milwaukee lost because Budenholzer, like a lot of these coaches, you know, that we pump up, yeah, they are resting on their laurels. He did. He made no in-game adjustments. I'm not gonna leave. I wouldn't leave me standing out there wide open, <laughs> shooting threes, right? And they left Grant Williams to 17. Hmm. Come on, uh, 17 three pointers. Insane. By himself with nobody anywhere near him. Mm-hmm. He's going to make what he made, mm-hmm. and he's got, and that's going to kick your butt. That was horrible coaching. You're right. You're right. And, and the Bucks have been known to not be a, a good defensive team. And it, and it seems like talk about when you have you know arguably the best player on the planet with Giannis as well, too, in those games that he lost, I mean, there were times that Giannis wasn't even, even touching the ball in the key possessions down the stretch. And yeah. it was crazy, man. Yeah. And yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Old Polonies, my man. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time and joining us, man. And uh, I just hope we can uh, we can tap into you a little bit more here during the course of the rest of the playoffs if you can make some time for us. Oh, most definitely. Perfect, man. I love it. A little, a little OPP. What are you doing now? Tell everybody what you're doing these days, OP. I am coaching in um, the TBL, the minor league, um, and – you know, I have the number two team right now in the league. You know, we're doing our thing. You know, I've just been coaching for the last 15 years. And, you know, training my son who's, you know, on his way to the league as well. God willing. You know, he's 7-1. You know, he signed with Long Beach State. So, he's going to be coming for everybody. Yes, excellent, man. He's way, he's way better than I was. <laughs> and he could probably shoot the three at a higher percentage. Oh, uh, our producer, Nubchuck, looked it up. Five for 26. You were five for 26. There you go. I, I was close. <laughs> you were. For 26, man. There you go. And I'm yeah, sure my like, son shoots at a 40% clip from uh, the three-point I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks for the time, man. And uh, we'll, we'll get you back on. Hopefully, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. There he is. Old Apollonies. OP. We used to jam this one all the time when he played. Yeah, some great years with the Sacramento Kings. Again, Sonics, Pistons, Jazz. OP, baby. All right, we come back. We go to OP to TJ. Oh, my goodness gracious. What next? More Tampa Bay Lightning talk. I think we're going to get that, aren't we? We got more NBA, MLB, a whole lot more coming your way on this magnificent Monday T.C. Martin Show. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. We're going to hit.
Hit this town, been a long time coming, been a long hard drive. Gonna smoke some, gonna drink some, gonna find a little trouble if now we're gonna make some. Rolling, 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 rolling. We gonna throw it on down. We roll. They're partying in Tampa Bay. Yes. And nobody, and you know who's leading the chorus right there? The one and only TJ Reeves. He's not hanging around at uh, Raymond James Stadium. No, he's at the, whatever you want to call it, the Amali Arena or whatever in the heck. There it is. They're rocking and rolling. They're banging their heads. And there's TJ Reeves up in the rafters rooting the lightning on, not as a as a unbiased media member, but as a, a fanatic, a fanatical fan. There he is. TJ Reeves, what's going on? Uh, always good to be with you, and yes, uh, there could be a real party about to happen yet again. Although we don't, we don't party big time for second round wins in Champa Bay, Doctor. Thank we you. save it for the biggest ones, Thank the you. boat parades, etc. For when you win the whole thing. So you know that. You know how this works. Happy Monday. There it is. I, see, Nubchuck thought he was, uh, you know, doing you a solid there. You know, playing your little little song there. You know, you didn't recognize well, that can- song. I could tell you, no, I, I'm not sure that I do. Uh, am I supposed to recognize that one? Or I don't no? know. He played it. He, they, Nunchuck, what was that? You said that was, he probably played the wrong thing. It's called Here Comes the Thunder. It's supposed to oh, be. Oh, Here Comes the Thunder. Very nice, Nunchuck. Very nice. Okay, on that. <laughs> what are you doing? Are, are you, are you, this is not Saturday. Are you in the donut line? Are you not paying attention to the music we're bringing you on to? I mean, most people just, you know, they thrive with our, their entrance songs. What are you doing? I understand. I'm a little more low-key than most here on the galactically famous T.C. Martin show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they do have the ACDC uh, with the with the Thunder and and, uh, and a couple of other ones that they play in the arena. Now, you have to understand, as you know, I was in the arena for Game 3 yesterday, and I still don't have full hearing capacity back at this point either from being up at the top of Amelie Arena uh, with the Twins and with my father, but... We did, uh, we did go and be part of a successful Game 3. I had one twin who was saying to me, if we lose this game, you're never allowed to come back. She was considering me as somehow bad luck to be in the arena. But the Lightning did find a way to get it done uh, and now are on the verge of a sweep. How about this? I have a factoid for the galactically famous T.C. Martin show right now. It's not exactly breaking news, but it is, uh, it is something interesting. Tampa Bay Lightning, for all of their successes... Back-to-back Stanley Cup wins, a previous Stanley Cup appearance under John Cooper. In John Cooper's uh, tenure as the coach, they've never had a sweep, Doctor. Wow. Not one. That's... Have never swept a series. So this would be the first time if it happens tonight. Even in the Cup runs and the Cup wins, haven't had a sweep. Now, it might not be John Cooper. He's never had a sweep with the Tampa Bay Lightning or in his NHL career, but you go talk to John Cooper and say, hey, John Cooper, I was just talking to T.C. Martin, and he said, you did have a sweep with the Green Bay Gamblers back in the day. There you go. You go ask him about the Green Bay Gamblers in the rest center. Go ask him about that. And T.C. Martin, get everyone pumped up in the party deck. That would be the Bud Light party deck, T.J. Reeves. Your boy Coop. Your boy Coop knows all about that. He was a regular I'm with me. Sure, uh, I'm sure that he remembers that fondly. Uh, perhaps the Stanley Cup wins might be a little bit more present in his mind right now than the Green Bay Gamblers, but it is a good reference uh, nonetheless. I love that. Uh, and 
uh, I, I will I will say this right now for what remains. You do not want any part of what I am seeing with the goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, at this point, because I watched with my own eyeballs, even in the 300 level of the Amelie Arena, he stopped four or five possible goals yesterday where the high-powered Florida Panthers could have easily had control of that game, if not won that game. So if, if the goalie continues to play at this kind of level, they're going to have a fantastic chance to go get the cup one more time here and three times in a row would be something else. Uh, by the way, if they go ahead and win this series, you got to start talking about the three-peat phrase. And the last three-peat in any sport is the Lakers 2000, 2001, 2002, Shaq and the late Kobe. So the, the Rays will start up and the media will start up the conversations about the three-peat here if they're in the conference finals coming up. We'll see. All right. Uh, there it is. Uh, so the Tampa Bay Lightning – they were life and death to get out of their first round series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then they come Correct. out, and then they come out here and just boom. I mean, just dominating the Florida Panthers. I mean, they scored four unanswered goals yesterday. Two, of course, by Steven Stamkos. They win five one going away to now go up three nothing. They look like the Golden State Warriors of the NHL right now. TJ Reeves. They win game one four nil. Game two is a tussle. You guys win 2-1. Uh, and again, you're, you're coming off that war with, with Toronto. And this is all against Florida Panthers, the top goal-scoring offense in the NHL. And, and I was going to say, Vasilevsky has been outstanding, just totally shutting them down. I mean, the Panthers, do the Panthers feel like Jason Kidd and the Dallas Mavericks right now? Seriously. I think they're defeated. You want to know? Yeah. I can tell you what's making the rounds right here, and I don't know that this will be part of the Turner pregame show coming up, but we do have breaking news, Dumb Chuck. We have breaking news on this. That, that is your report. director, T.J. Reeves, of the T.C. Martin Show. Go ahead. <laughs> but this is going to be worth it on the payoff. There is a report from earlier this afternoon that numerous members, that is the phrase, numerous members of the Florida Panthers hockey team were in a, uh, what's the best way to describe it, adult establishment into the wee hours of the morning this morning. Oh, and this is yes. apparently verified by a couple of different, uh, I don't know if it's a patron, I don't know if it is a dancer, but there are people that are revealing that several members, numerous members of the Panthers were out late night, overnight, because hey, why not, if your season's going to be over with about 10 Eastern time tonight, why not live it up one more time in Tampa Bay for the overnight stay? That's, uh, that's getting some play here in the local media. I don't know how much in Miami they care, but if you if you want to sign that the Panthers may not be completely focused on trying to stay alive in Game 4, how about that one, Doctor? A wow. Breaking news. Wow, look at that. As we go live to the club right now, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and who do I see there? Do I see Hornquist? Uh, do I see Thornton back there? Yeah, I think I do. I see Joe Thornton back there right now. There he is. Oh, my goodness gracious. For Hagee, all those different guys for the Panthers. I don't know. It's not confirmed specifics of who was there, but the, the phrase that the local sports station here was using was numerous. They were told numerous Florida Panthers out at nearly 3 a.m. this morning. <laughs> Seriously, that because, is not a good look, man. I mean, you're no. in the playoffs. Come on. Well, I, I, again, coming out of the postgame yesterday and talking with a couple of different people and watching their comments, 
uh, the media people that I talked to said their entire attitude, body language is they know it's over. Well, obviously, a few hours later, their actions demonstrated that the Panthers know that it's over. So uh, it, it more than likely is over with tonight. Can they prolong it? If they do, they'll play Wednesday in Miami. But I think more than likely the Lightning put this thing away, especially if they get up with an early goal, which is what they had yesterday and got the crowd involved and, and the whole bit. Uh, by the way, I just saw this on social media. The Nature Boy, Woo! the Nature Boy Ric Flair is is on his way inside the Emily Arena because a, a another friend of mine took pictures with him right outside the Emily Arena. As they're opening the doors here in a few minutes for the seven o'clock Eastern Time, four p.m. in the desert start. So the the Nature Boy who is making a wrestling comeback, by the way, Doctor, as well. One final match like this summer. Uh, but he is in Tampa tonight for the hockey game. Well, of course he is. Yeah. I, I, I understand. Seriously, you're talking about the number one seed, and you're down 3-0, and you're going to the strip club. <laughs> you're the number one seed. What kind of look is that? I mean, that's, I that's pathetic. There's, and then more importantly, going back to, uh, seven minutes ago, I want to know if Tom Reeves Sr. wore the earplugs up in the section in the 300 section. Is you he... know, I did, I did say to him before we walked in, did you bring the earplugs? And he said, I forgot. He did not have them, and it was loud. I can tell you that you don't realize how loud it is until you come out of it and you go to the concourse, as I did like in the – second intermission i think i sent you a text message i said i may be able to hear by wednesday i'm not sure uh it was it was that loud and so it will probably be that way uh again and they they do an amazing job with all of the music and the acoustics and the whole bit but man it was it was rocking yesterday and i guess the uh the panthers needed some recreational activity time to try to recover from it after it was all over (laughs) where do you stand with rick flair as far as Greatest wrestlers of, of all time and personalities. Were, oh, were, were you always a flair guy? Be, he's got to be in the top two or three because it's sustained, right? It has sustained all this time from when we go back to the late 70s, the 80s, and then when, uh, when Georgia Championship Wrestling eventually became World Championship Wrestling, and it was, it was Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes that, that turned that into a national entity on TBS. Where, where wrestling was quickly becoming not not just a redneck southern thing, but becoming now a nationwide thing. I mean, Vince McMahon was conquering it in the Northeast and eventually all over the country and all over the world. But once once Ric Flair was on your Turner, you know, your TBS television station every Saturday night over and over again with Georgia Championship Wrestling, everybody knew who he was, and that eventually became World Championship Wrestling. So Flair's got to be in the top. What, three, right? Uh, Along maybe, with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I would say top five. Here's the thing. It's, it's totally a regional thing, though, because, again, when I started you know, wrestling going way back, we didn't know Ric Flair because, again, he never came out on the West Coast. It was a regional thing. And then when I started watching the WWF based in Stamford, Connecticut, in New York, and, again, like I said, the whole reason I bought a satellite dish, like when I was a teenager, so I could tap into Monday nights at Madison Square Garden the first Monday of the month, outstanding, 19,000 <laughs> Plus, and again, it, it was you know it was Bob Backlund, the Iron Sheik, Hulk Hogan, and of course Roddy oh, Roddy oh, Piper. We gotta back up. Yeah. we got to back up a step. Didn't you have cable and you had TBS when when TBS was the super? It's true. Had the it's it's true. I did have I, I did have okay. that. Well, but they were on with wrestling every Saturday night, not just the. But first there was Saturday no month, comparison, TJ. Night. There was no comparison when you watch Madison Square Garden and you're watching the superstars of wrestling. You know, in, in Poughkeepsie, New York, and places. 
of that nature. I mean, there was there was there was no comparison with you know your southern drawl and all this other kind of stuff. So for people in the south, I get it, but for people, I guess in you know the Midwest, they will go and lean towards Vern Gagne and people of that nature. Well, right, you right. know what I'm saying? And for us on the West Coast, we go back to Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens, Rocky Johnson, Peter Mavia. We're all it was so regional back then, and unless you had like I said, cables, satellite dishes, or or that sort of thing. But then when Flair came to the WWF, then it was a whole different ball game, of course, and we had the Monopoly going. But I don't know. For me, I, Flair to me just seemed so like eh, he didn't get it for me. Three, no, who are not. your top three? Oh, my top three personally. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, all I, time, all, all time for me. Again, it, it's it's going to be skewed, but uh, for me, I got to go Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage and George the Animal Steel. There we George go. George the Animal Steel and not Hulk Hogan. No, not at all. Not Hulk. Then I mean, I'll, I'll probably go below then and go to the Iron Sheik. And as I as I tell you what the Iron Sheik told me when he was working for me back in the day, that Hulk Hogan, he's your George Brody. He's rocking the business all day. Hey, you come and get Iron Sheik picture. I get Iron Sheik picture. I sell for you for $10. You want $10? I got right here me and Cindy Lauper. Me and Cindy Lauper, $10. Or oh, this one with me and Hulk Hogan. I have that jabroni and camel clutch, $1. Okay. $1. That's I, all. I, Why is that? Why is that, Mr. TC, that I sell $1 Hulk Hogan? Why is that, Sheik? That's because that jabroni ruined the business. One dollar, hot pulley. I know. Well, but you got to understand, worldwide, <laughs> nationwide, worldwide, the Iron Sheik stopped registering on anybody's scale about 1984. No, that's that's a so, personal thing. That's a personal thing. But anyway, no, but still, those are my top three. Hulk Hogan sustained all the way into the 90s. Yeah. And the World Championship Wrestling. Hulk Hogan's got to be in your top three. What a joke, top three. George the Animal Steel uh, in your top three? Yes, of people that I enjoyed watching. Are you kidding? Phenomenal. I, no doubt about it. I mean, well, look at that character. The Animal, George Steele. And especially later on in life, you get a chance to to know the guy. I mean, the, the guy was a professor and a school teacher, and he, he was phenomenal. Right. And he, and he turned on with that character. Yeah, for me, when I started watching wrestling, Piper and George the Animal Steel, and then Macho Man came a little bit later. Those guys, they galvanized me as a youngster, and, and, and I loved it. But yeah. But again, this is this is why we live in different parts of the country yeah. and different, different places. I mean, obviously in New York. I've got a lot of friends in New York, and they know all about – the rivalries that you're talking about uh, in in what Vince McMahon's WWF was, what's now the WWE back in the 70s and the 80s before it became more nationwide in the mid-80s uh, with that. But if you're in the South, I mean, the, the Dusty Rhodes-Rick Flair rivalry from North Carolina to Florida to, to Alabama to Tennessee – all all over the the deep south that i mean that was that was entertainment that was a big deal and so he branched that out he helped make uh world championship wrestling a reality in the mid to late 1980s uh and and made them a a direct competitor to what McMahon and the WWF were building so if you're saying to me you got you cannot have a top 5 without Rick Flair you cannot well, I'll put I'll put Hogan ahead of Flair. I'll put Hogan again at four. And again, Hogan and the electricity that he would bring into the Garden and all of those venues. He coming to the West Coast. There's no question. But then when you get down to it, TJ, it's all about it's the same match over and over. You know what you're getting. Real American comes on. Rick Derringer. Dun 
dun, dun. I mean, they, that that was beautiful. That was electric. Ripping off the shirt. Okay, fine. And then he will, you know, get attacked by the bell. He'll turn it around about three Whoa. minutes into it. He'll go down again, look like it's all over. And then here it comes. Wait, brother. The finger comes up and he raises up. And all of a sudden, boom, there's an Irish whip into the rope. There's the leg drop. Uh, first the kick, the leg drop. Boom. One, two, three. Play real American Rick Derringer again. And it's over. It's the same match every night. With Piper but, and I mean, Macho it, Man it, and Georgie Animal Steel, it was all different, brother. Yeah, here's your here's your song. But in, in fairness, we were all there to see the finishing move, whatever it was, Macho Man's elbow, Rick Flair with a figure four, or this guy with the leg drop. I mean, they didn't accidentally keep selling out all the arenas and end up on primetime TV on NBC because people weren't into the Hulk Hogan leg drop and this song that you're playing, Doctor. Of course they were into it and watching. And it wasn't the Iron Sheik and his curly boots and his camel clutch that kept being on, on those network TV shows. So, sorry, TJ. I was just doing an Irish whip in the rope and the leg drop. Sorry. Uh, I don't think there were 90,000 plus there to watch the Iron Sheik and, uh, and George the Animal Steel at the, at the Silver Dome in Detroit. Uh, whatever, I think that whatever. Was, you asked me a person, Logan, uh, am I bagging on your, your top three or top five? No. You just asked me a question, I gave you an answer. There it is. All right. There you go. The, uh, the thank you for joining for. Space th- thank there you, you thank you for joining Wrestling Talk USA here today. Exactly. <laughs> All I'm pointing out is that most of the wrestlers are from Florida, a lot of them anyway, and they come hang out at the games. And Ric Flair's at the Lightning game, bringing some more good luck charm uh, here tonight in our melting pot that is Tampa Bay. Nemtro, will you keep the microphone on? I mean, what are you doing over there? Jeez. <laughs> Okay, so your own people, your own people are rattled right now by the wrestling talk. Well, I, Chuck, I, I, Chuck I, is rattled. We got well, the I, I, bro- I broke the turnbuckle. I guess I, I broke the turnbuckle when I, you know, went went into the ropes there. I guess. So who knows? All right, there you got it. <laughs> T.J. Reeves, can you send? Yes. Can you send a coach over this way? The Golden Knights uh, uh, have an ad in the paper. What's going on with that franchise out there? <laughs> because uh, they got rid of the goalie, Mark Andre Fleury. Remember. And so that kind of scapegoated him, right, that he was obviously the problem. Then you missed the playoffs and you fired the coach no, that no, you no. fired Gerard Gallant for, and Gallant had you in the Stanley Cup Finals. So yeah. Yeah, but... there's definitely some mixed signals going on there with, uh, with Vegas. I guess ownership is just not happy and in a bad mood. And making moves. Yeah, but they got, what it appears to be. They got no problem spending a lot of money and bringing guys in like Pacioretty and Mark Stone and people like that. But no, it's yeah, and don't know what's going to happen here. Where the Golden Knights are going to go? But you're lucky to have a guy like John Cooper. He's a great guy. He's a great coach, as you know. And uh, yep. yeah, I'll be rooting for you for you know to go with a three-peat. That would uh, definitely be something else. So here. here on the billboards and the TV has everything. It's three leave instead of believe three leave. They've got the number three up there with all the light, with the lightning, uh, lightning bolt going through it on all the billboards on all the stuff. So we might have to get the doctor numchuck and everybody a three leave shirt. Wow. Let's see if, it, let's see like if there's that. a little three leave going here. If they get, it, if they get into the next round, that's what the big talk's going to be. Why are we going back to back games? You guys played yesterday and you're playing tonight. There was What's a up with that? pre-planned concert, a huge oh. uh, hip hop concert, big radio promotion, the whole thing on for Saturday. So the compromise from the NHL was they wanted to stay on track uh, with the conference finals to start. 
And so they basically said, you're going you're gonna to play back-to-back. You'll play in the afternoon Sunday, and then you'll play Monday night. So that's the back-to-back. All right. That was the, and they knew that when this series materialized, they knew the arena situation in Tampa was going to preclude them from being able to play Saturday, Monday. So they laid it out for the teams. It's going to be Sunday at 1.30, then come back Monday night. And it could be over tonight. And the advantage for the Lightning there would be they sit back and watch the Rangers and Carolina beat the daylights out of each other. And for that matter, the Western teams do the same thing while they get a little healthier. By the way, one more quick note. One of the Lightning's best scorers, Braden Point, has not played this entire series because he got injured in Game 7 in Toronto. And if they are able to get a sweep against the Panthers without Braden Point and let him rest up some more and maybe be able to come back in the next round, that is bonus Lightning. Let's see if that's the case. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning talk. Just way too much more than I think anybody needed here. But at least I got some quality wrestling talk in this segment with with T.J. Reeves. Even though you're skewed, southern skewed with T.J. Reeves. You keep ringing my phone because it's Champa Bay, brother. That's the it. Champa Bay Lightning trying to go for the three leads, the three-peat. Let's see what happens tonight and take the next step. Oh, okay, brother. We'll let you uh, We'll let you go now. We'll send you out with my music right now. huh? I got my kilt. And you remember, what does every Scotsman wear underneath this kilt? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I still, I still favor the whole thing with Jimmy Stuka. Two coconuts, not just one, one coconut. coconut. Two coconuts. Two, co- two coconuts. There you go. There you go. All right, brother. Be good. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, yes. Uh, be well. We will see what happens from Champa Bay. Always good to be on in the desert. You boys behave if that's possible. Hasta la vista, baby. There he is, TJ Reeves. From Tampa Bay with no Buccaneers talk today. You like that? It is a little bit of the offseason, though, but uh, always fun. Good stuff. Hey, at least we got some good wrestling talk in there. All right. I got a little workout in as well, too. Very nice. All right. We come back. Uh, Jeff Nadu, Philadelphia, is going to join us. He's going to do that. Marco D'Angelo, a little Preakness, a little NBA, a little MLP. Uh, where's Cowboy Bob Morton? Where's he? That's what I need. And that McMahon? And that Hogan? Ha! Uh, that Hammondaker? Yeah. The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Brian sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh, my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. T.C. Martin. Way back in my feet. It could be. Cobweb. 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 Holy cow. Look at left fielder. He has the ball yet. He has not won. And here comes the Cubs out on the field. is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two. 
We continue on a little NBA playoff talk as well, Major League Baseball, and a whole lot more coming your way. Marco D'Angelo is going to join us a little bit later on this hour. Want to thank OP, Old Apollonies, for joining us last hour, talking some NBA. We uh, continue that trend with our next guest as well, too, Jeff Nadeau. The pride of Philadelphia going to join us here. And uh, he's one of my tag team partners on the MLB show that we have on BetUS TV that you can catch. Uh, 9 o'clock uh, every morning here on the West Coast uh, on YouTube at BetUS TV. And uh, Jeff, uh, formerly from Barstool Sports. And we're going to talk some hoop here coming up right now. Jeff Nadu, what is going on, my man? What's up, TC? How are you? We're doing Thanks good. Me. We're doing good, brother. We're doing good here. What's uh, what's what's happening in Philadelphia, PA, right now? You know, nothing really going on. I mean, it's been a rough time for uh, people in this town. You know, at least recently with the Sixers bowing out. But people are excited. You know, Eagles football is only you know a hundred days away or so. You got the you got a team this year that I think a lot of people are excited about. But um, you know, other than that, nothing. I mean, it's hot. You know, you got the summer months ahead and. Uh, you know, nothing really to of note. The Sixers bowing out, I think, was uh, you know, something we expected here. I don't think people have a lot of thought that they're going to ever do anything of note. Uh, they're just not properly run uh, well. And, yeah, that's kind of where we are. But other than that, good. Always good to speak to you. And, uh, you know, interested in uh, you know, chatting with you. You got it, man. All right, and we're going to get into the, to the Sixers here in a minute. But before we do that, I mean, you, like myself, as I've come to – to, to know you a little bit here. Uh, food is as important to you as it is to me. And we always talk a lot of food here. Now, when I, I've rolled through Philadelphia on a few different occasions, Jeff, and I'm real curious, and I know you probably get this all the time, but you've got to settle a debate for me. Because the last time I went to Philadelphia, uh, and it was pre-pandemic, uh, I had to find the best Philly cheesesteak. And I know that might be a little redundant for you, but I, but my producer suggested for me to go to a place and I and I and I went out and while I was driving I think I was in Washington DC at the time and the entire time I was driving from DC to Philadelphia I was calling all these places I was going through you know uh, reviews uh, Yelp reviews and all this other stuff and I said I'm only gonna have time to get one Philly cheesesteak where should I go and my producer says, nope, here's where you got to go because he spent a lot of time in Philly. I think uh, he was even from Delaware, spent some time there. And he sent me to Luke's. And so my one and only time that I have a Philly cheesesteak in Philly was at Luke's. And I got to tell you, I was kind of disappointed. So give me the Philly cheesesteak rundown. Well, you didn't even get the name right. Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're right. See, like I said, it's pre-pandemic. It was Tony Luke's, right. You're right. Yeah. My bad. All right. So, so- I, I'll be honest. If, if I'm going to rank five steaks in Philly, I'm going to go to Tony Luke's is one of them. Is it the best one? No. Um, but to me, I think if you're going to get a steak in Philadelphia, you got to go to South Philly. Uh, I go to a place, Oregon Steaks, 10th and Oregon. It's in my old neighborhood. Um, I think it's about as Philly as it gets. Um, it's a little spot. Years ago, it was uh, it was an old school deli. It was open 24 hours. Uh, it was called 10th Ave, and they changed it to Oregon Steaks. But, you know, Meek Mill, the rapper, goes there. Um, a, a lot of high-end people go there. It's somewhere that is off the beaten path, but I think it's the best spot. Um, you know, a lot of people, you're going to get 10 different answers from de- de- 10 different people. Um, you know, but all, the, all in all, they're going to tell you go to go to places outside of the city. you got to go somewhere in the city. 
Uh, I would just urge you, if anyone ever comes to Philadelphia, they want a great experience, contact me. I'll make sure you go to the right place. And I'll even probably join you uh, and take you to the spot you need to go to. And that's the way I am, too. I mean, it's off the beaten path. Some of those places, exactly. If, when people come to Vegas, they want to, okay, you know, where should I go You know, to the steakhouse? And everybody wants to go to the Bellagio and you know, some of these other places. And I'm going to say, no, I'm going to take you to a couple other places. And that's the way it is. So, like, of course, I'm sure that everyone talks about Gina and pats and that sort of thing. But I don't know about you, Jeff, but see, I'm not a cheese whiz guy. I have to have the white American, and the white American has to be melted there, and they better give me the ribeye. Don't give me some phony sirloin or some other nonsense or meatloaf on a bun. I have to have the white American. But this this, this sauce crap, I mean, that's not a Philly cheesesteak. Can I get a witness? Yeah, so let me let me give you the, the guides of Philly steak. So Pats and Gino's, okay, um, for a long time, that was the only 24-hour spot in Philly. So, you know, if you're it's 4 a.m. and you need something to eat, you go there. And look, for a tourist, it's a it's an incredible place just because they're literally right across the street from each other. Uh, they hate each other. It's glitzy and glammy. There's lights and that sort of thing. But yeah, no Philly person actually goes there. As far as does cheese whiz belong on a steak? Absolutely not. In fact, thank you. I have a rule. You actually only the only time you should ever eat. The only time you should ever eat cheese whiz would be in prison, in my opinion. That's that's kind of my rule. I know my best friend is in federal prison. He told me that you know that's where he that's the only time he would ever eat cheese whiz. They have it a lot in there. But yeah, if you're eating a steak, you got to get uh, American. Uh, no other way. Um, you also you don't put anything else on it. It's steak. It's cheese. It's onion. Maybe a little onion. You don't yep. even have to have onion. But right. you don't put ketchup. You don't put. Um, you know, any other nonsense on it. Uh, the authentic way to eat a steak is with or without American cheese. And, and Jake and Elwood said the exact same thing. You got my cheese whiz boy in the Blues Brothers. That's it. You're, you're right. See, yeah. uh, there's, there's, there's the prison reference right there. I appreciate that. Yeah, All right. you, never, you never eat that on a steak. I, don't, no. I, don't, I guess that became a, that became a, a, a touristy thing. Um, now, look, I will say this, TC, and this is something that a lot of your viewers and, and audio people need to understand. Philadelphia has a lot of more than just cheesesteaks. I think, to be honest, the best uh, sandwich in, in Philadelphia is, is a chicken cutlet. I mean, there's sausage peppers, a meatball, an Italian. Um, there's all sorts of great sandwiches outside of a, a, a steak. But, yeah, that's going to be your normal one that people love. I love that. I love that. Yeah. This here's my brother, Jake. Just got out of the joint. He's going to be staying with me for a few weeks. Uh, okay. Did you give me my cheese whiz, boy? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. The cheese whiz. There it is. You gotta love it. All right. It now, Jeff, now we've talked about movies before on our other show. Tell me you've seen the Blues Brothers 200 times, right? Uh, many years ago, I saw it. It's been a long time. Uh, but yeah, look, most of the movies you say I've seen, there have been a couple you've referenced recently that I have not seen, but. Um, I have a weird movie palette. Um, I'm kind of a, a one way with movies, but uh, yeah, I've seen it many years ago. Many years ago. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, let's talk a little NBA playoffs here. Golden State's up three nothing. The eleventh series where the Warriors have had a three zero lead under the Steve Kerr regime. Uh, they've swept in six of ten of those. Do you think they close it out tomorrow night? Yeah, I do, because I feel like Dallas has thrown their best punch and, and they weren't able to knock out the Warriors. You look at it in game two, um, they were up big in that game, you know, blew the lead uh, completely, and, and somehow the Warriors won. You even look it up the other night. I mean, they were up 
uh, at one point in the second quarter. Um, but but as we know with Golden State, TC, I mean this this team argue. I've never seen a team as good in the third quarter as they've been over the years. They just completely dominate third quarters. They just completely take you out of games. Um, no leads ever really safe. You could be up twelve at the half and doesn't really mean much. They're still alive, ready to win the game. They'll be a favorite to win the game. They're just so well coached. They have. Uh, just three, four, five different guys, as we know, that can hit you hard. And, yeah, I feel like Dallas has thrown the best punch. Look, the fact that Dallas beat the Suns was surprising to me. Uh, that was, I think, the surprise of the, the playoffs to me. Uh, yeah, they're done. Um, they're not getting the same defensive uh, ability that they were uh, getting in, in that Sun series. No, this series is over. Maybe you get one win out of Dallas, maybe tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, this series is over. The NBA better hope they find a way to win because they need all the extra games they can get. This series has turned ugly quick. You know, the thing about it is Dallas was like the flavor of the month with everybody. I mean, they beat Phoenix. Yep. Actually, they embarrassed Phoenix in games six and seven. And then Luka Donich was was fantastic. But people actually thought, that Dallas would either win this series against Golden State or they would it, it would be a seven-game series and maybe Dallas falls here. But I think a lot of people fail to realize that Dallas, even though they beat Phoenix and they were the number one seed out west, as they got beat by 21 game, they got beat by 30 in another game, yeah. and, and we've seen this team. And again, you know, Phoenix was kind of a mess. I mean, Golden State, say what you want about, you know, retooling, but... Andrew Wiggins has been phenomenal. I don't even think the Warriors knew what they were getting with Andrew Wiggins. I mean, this guy is not the same player that we saw five or six years ago. Uh, He's fit in like a glove. And seeing what Looney you're doing and other guys off the bench, I mean, and Jordan Poole, uh, it's just, it's remarkable. It's amazing. I've always loved this team. I love watching this team. And, uh, yeah, I I never really bought into Dallas and, and, and Luka Donich. He's a great scorer. But I think that's where that's where it ends, Jeff. I mean, he he's a great scorer, and yeah, I, I don't know if people were undervaluing the Warriors or overvaluing the Mavericks. Yeah, I think when you look at the Mavs, they just need another guy. I mean, and they lost it with Porzingis. They, they just don't they don't have enough. I mean, they need one more guy. But you mentioned Wiggins. I mean, he's kind of turned into what Iguodala was really. Yep. I mean, he's just a better offensive player. Iguodala is, is hurt, but. Yeah, Wiggins is, is – look, when Wiggins is playing the way he is, no one's beating this team. Okay, I, Look, I said a lot like two months ago they were going to win the, the title uh, when Steph got healthy again. Look, they're just – they're too good. And with the emergence of Poole and you know, kind of some of the other bench players that you alluded to, look, you already have Green, Curry, and Thompson to begin with. Throw in the fact you now have Poole, Wiggins, uh, Looney – um, you know, Oscar or uh, Otto Porter. I mean, it's just they're too good. Uh, I don't think anyone in the East is going to beat them either. But yeah, I thought the Mavs. I could have. I remember last year I mentioned I thought they needed another guy. Look, Spencer Dinwiddie's not enough. I don't think they're going to be able to retain Jalen Brunson long term. So yeah, they're going to have to get him help. And it's really kind of a similar situation to what we have here in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the, the Sixers have Embiid, but you have to surround him with more. And, you know, they tried doing it with James Harden. That hasn't worked out. So, you know, Dallas is kind of mired. But I feel like they've succeeded a lot quicker than I think even they thought. Uh, Dantich is, is a superstar, and now they just need to give him a lot of help. Look, people like Reggie Bullock and Fenny Smith and Kleber, they're not enough. You need more.
Yeah, I, and it's funny because the talk uh, around Dallas, more of the talk is now focused on the bench decorum, and it's ridiculous to see that this team has been fined $175,000, and for people that aren't aware of what we're talking about here, they got fined going back, I think it was at game two, $25,000 for their bench, coming on the court, not sitting down, uh, being disruptive, and then they got another fine of $50,000 in game seven of the Phoenix series, and then... They they get they get fined again a uh, hundred thousand dollars a couple games ago for for the exact same type of thing and then you know you've got Theo Pinson wearing a white shirt and we're gonna play this you know tomorrow on, on Terrible Tuesday where Pinson was asked by the referee Mark Davis last night before the game to hey can you can you please go change your shirt and he's going well why because well you're wearing a white shirt there the opponents is wearing white and you're gonna be in the way because that's what these guys do they just stand up they're in the way. And remember, I think it was what in game number uh, two, where Steph Curry threw the ball into the bench, and he thought he was hitting Clay Thompson. He was hitting Theo Pinson in, in in his white T-shirt there. And then so Pinson goes, oh, "Okay." And then Mark Davis says, "You know what? I'll, I'll even I'll even pay for it. You know, please do that for me." Okay, okay. And then what happens? Pinson just ignores the referee, just disrespects him, ignores him, and and, and there he is acting like a, a lunatic again, sitting on the sideline with his white shirt, didn't go change. And, you know, this guy is, he's a youngster. He's not a superstar. And that doesn't bode well. And you talk to former players, they'll tell you, you know, that's not a move that you should do when, you know, Mark Davis did not have to go out of his way to do that. He's being nice and say, hey, come on, do me a favor here so we can kind of squelch a lot of this, this, this ridiculous talk. But it's like the Mavericks don't care about the bench decorum. They don't care about anything. Cubans laugh and say, I'll pay $175,000. Meanwhile, they're getting their ass swept out, out the door. Well, and this has kind of been, you know, a norm for Cuban over the years. I mean, he's kind of that revolutionary that just doesn't care. He's going to do what he wants. Um, you know, they're taking on the same kind of mantle as a team that, that he is. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know who Theo Penson thinks he is. I don't know where he came from. Obviously, he was at North Carolina, but he's not a guy, as you said, that he should be behaving that way. And, and look, it's not like their owner really cares. He's going to let them do what he wants. Look, this is – and I don't want to get into, like, the, the particulars here, but – you know, again, Mark Cuban has very much, you know, allowed things to go on, not only in his own organization, but, you know, in some of the business parts of his organization. You know, I know he comes across as this high-end leader, and he's a billionaire and all this stuff, Shark Tank, but, you know, he allows certain people to just kind of do what they want. And before you know it, things are kind of out of control, and um, there's really no leadership. Uh, and you're right, they're going to get swept out of the door and, and good riddance. So. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I'm kind of happy. You know, get them out of the way. This should lead to a pretty damn good East or uh, NBA Finals, regardless of who gets in, whether it's the Celtics uh, or the Heat. All right, tonight Miami-Boston, game number four. Uh, injuries popping up here now for the Heat. Yeah. Tyler Hero is out of this game. We know Kyle Lowry tried to give it a go last game. He's probably you know back not playing tonight. Now Jimmy Butler is hurt. I'm sure you know Butler's going to go, but he you know he's got a, a knee injury here that he sustained last game. Uh, I don't. This has been kind of a. Uh, a weird series, Jeff. I thought that that Boston would show up in Game Three at home. They did not. They got uh, embarrassed. I mean, early on, they made a game of it, or, or kind of made a game of it. But uh, for the most part, they they were a non-factor in Game Number Three. I think conventional wisdom is saying, okay, Boston's going to tie this thing up, especially with the injuries. This thing got bet up to seven and a half right now. Uh, talk a little bit about Miami Boston tonight. 
I think the line tells you all you need to know about this one. Uh, I think not only will Boston win the game, but I think they win this game by double digits. I mean, you, as you mentioned, the line's moved up almost a whole point. You know, at some shops, you even have a seven, so if you want a little better uh, number, you can look around. But, yeah, I think the number tells you all you need to know. Why is this a team down 2-1, which you'd expect to win, but a seven-point number, it's a bit high. It kind of just tells you this screams uh, Boston win, Boston 10-point uh, double-digit victory. You look at the outrights in this uh, series. You know, Boston's 105. I mean, th- this – I think on a money line play, this is a lock. I'm not going to bet a game like that. I'm not going to lay 320, but I I think this screams Boston win at home. Uh, I'm always kind of, I think in times when you play basketball games, you just have to look at a line and say, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I think a lot of like squares will look at this game and say, well, I can get seven points. This game would be close. These are two even teams. I don't know about that. I haven't bet this series much just because of the injuries. But you look at Boston, going to get Robert Williams back. That's a big piece. He's a good big for them. He hasn't played a ton. He's been sparingly used just because of his injuries. But they seem to look like they're going to get everybody back. This game screams one of those, you know, you don't get much of a Jimmy Butler. You know, they're kind of beat up and, and bruised up. Look, I think the series is probably going to go seven. I said that before the series started. I think Boston comes back with one of those, like, one – 14, 105 type of games. I think they cover the number, and uh, I, I think even the series. Up. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think uh, you just hit on something real big time there. If you want Boston right now, the series price, yeah. it, what, 105, I, you, that is great. Niners, they don't have home court advantage if it goes you know, to a seventh game, but still they're in a position right now where they're down 2-1. So, again, you know, the algorithm in the lines here are going to say, okay, there, there you go. They, they, they shouldn't win, but they tie it up tonight 2-2. And if you have these injuries and, Bo- and Boston starts gaining this momentum, yeah, I mean, they are live. They are totally live, and, and that makes the, the most sense. Now, sure, they're going to have to hold your money for a little over a week, but you're never going to get a better price with Boston right now, right? No, and what's this line going to look like tonight when we think they're probably going to win? Look, also, we have to throw in the fact, I mean, you look at it in game three. Look, Bam Adebayo is a terrific player, but I, look, I, it, 31 points is a wild game for him. He's not going to do that again. Uh, in fact, I'd like to see, he hasn't done that all year, I don't think. I mean, he's he's got, you know, he's like 19, 20 again, I think his average is. He has to figure that's probably not going to happen. He's not going to take 22 shots tonight. Um, I think if you can kind of reel him in a little bit, you're going to get Williams back. That's a big help. You know, Butler just doesn't look Butler right now. And, and as you said, um, you know, he's a little bit banged up. I just have a weird feeling. Maybe we don't even see them in the fourth quarter. This screams blow up to me. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Sixers, man, this is a franchise you get a chance to see up close and personal. The circus. Uh, describe the mess and the dysfunction that is that has gone on with this team. Obviously underachieved, but man, I mean, I'm looking at it from the outside looking in, Jeff, and this this team has just done it to himself over the years. Yeah, I mean, it would. Um, you know, I often one of my my bucket list items in sports and like media and podcasts and content is for someone to just sit with me for three hours and we can talk about this team from a whole as you know, really from my birth until now. I mean, they've been the same team, you know, and I know that. There's been some titles in this town with the Phillies and the Eagles, but you know the elusive title has never came to the Sixers, at least in my lifetime, um, and it's really been their own doing. Um, they're poorly led. Uh, the ownership's not good. Uh, the general manager's been a complete mess over the last 20 or so years. You look at even when 
uh, the greatest player in the history of this franchise was here, Allen Iverson. I mean, they never gave Allen any sort of talent around him. I mean, that's been a major problem in this town really forever. Donovan McNabb never had proper people around him. And you look at the one time they went out and got Terrell Owens, they went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, this has been a major problem. They've never been able to really develop draft picks. Their drafting has been atrocious. Uh, they don't value the second round. They don't have any interest in a bench in this town. Um, they allow players to leave that they shouldn't allow to leave, and they allow players that shouldn't be here to be here for too long. Um, it's just a, they, they picked a lot of poor coaches. They've wasted a lot of years of quality. And you look at the process, if you will, what did you really get out of it? Nothing. Well, God, they're the same team. Um, just because they make the playoffs, what does that matter? They've made bad deals. They've given bad contracts to a lot of people. And the one guy they actually have a value, they've – not really helped and done anything for. They, they have no balls at the end of the day, and I, I don't mean to be cut a graphic, but that's the truth. They're poorly coached, they're poorly owned, and they just, if look, I don't want to call myself arrogant, but I will. If, if I led this team, I think it'd be a whole lot different. If fans led this team, it'd be a whole lot different, but for whatever reason, the, the leash has been very long for a lot of coaches and players. Look at the Ben Simmons situation. What a complete disgrace. Uh, that went on in this town. Look, if you're Allen Iverson, you can behave that way. But Ben Simmons, give me a break. And th- to make it more laughable, this team and city bowed to that clown and wasted years off of, of a high-end player's career. So, yeah, it, it's personal to me. I love this team. I remember as a young child watching Allen Iverson, I fell in love with basketball because of people like him and John Chaney and all these different people in this town. And to see where it is now, it, it's just made me not really care anymore. And that sucks because I love basketball glenn doc Rivers says he's not going anywhere james harden says he's not going anywhere is anybody going some somebody needs to go somewhere right jeff yeah of course they do but i don't i don't think they are i think they're 100 percent right they know that you know daryl morey and all these people look by the way what has daryl morey ever won why don't we act like this guy is jerry west for god's sakes what has this guy ever won um, look, you know what's sad? They're right. Like I said, they're not going anywhere. Glenn Rivers is, for whatever reason, a mystified people into believing that he can coach. Um, James Harden, look, I don't hate James. I, I felt like I was excited when they brought him in. Um, they need more. The truth is, though, they have no draft picks. I don't know why they think they're going to improve this team. They better hope they can go out in free agency and do it. Look at the contract, the bloated contract they gave Tobias Harris. What, are the, what a failure that's been. They gave a bloated contract to Al Horford. What a failure that was. He's not even here anymore. Tyrese Maxey, I mean, he's one of the guiding lights. Maybe they can get somebody out of him, but I don't know. I don't know where to go. It's just kind of um, any more just – tiring. I'm sick of talking about it. Uh, and again, as I said, it's made me kind of fall out of love. The one player they should have bowed down to was Jimmy Butler. And look at what they did to him. They treated him like he was a second-class citizen and, and ran him out of town. Yeah, you're right. Jeff Nadu uh, joins us. Uh, Jeff, formerly Barstool Sports, and of course joins me on the MLB show on BetUS TV. You can catch it on, on Yahoo, uh, 9 o'clock uh, Pacific time every morning, Monday through Friday in 12 noon Eastern time. And uh, speaking of a little baseball, Jeff, some, uh, some breaking news that went down the last couple hours. Uh, Josh Donaldson uh, been suspended for one game. And uh, I also heard today what Josh Donaldson said, that he has COVID now as well, too. So I, I don't know what that's all. But for, for the comment that he made, uh, it, the, there was a little ruckus last weekend, of course, uh, with the with the Yankees series. 
And I know that you you know probably been following the story or whatever, but uh, you know you know Donaldson gets into it with um, uh, with uh, with uh, Tim, Tim Anderson yeah, with Tim Anderson of, of the White Sox, where Anderson had called himself you know uh, uh, Jackie Robinson. So when he I guess went into third, he says said something like "Hey Jackie" or you know "Take that Jackie" or something like that. And now we got to, we got a racial divide going again here. Donaldson's backing off a statement saying, hey, he called himself that. Uh, I'm not making a racist comment. We've seen Aaron Boone back up uh, Josh Donaldson's thoughts here. Give me some quick thoughts, Jeff, when you hear about this story. Yeah, it's um, – look, if Mr. Anderson didn't refer to himself as that, um, you, know, I, I, you know, obviously that would be way out of line. As far as – I don't know, it's still kind of weird. I mean, he hasn't – he said it back in 2019. It's like Josh Donaldson kind of searched it out. I don't know if he maybe just read it or something. Look, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't – I mean, he referred to himself as it. I mean, I think the fact that he refers to him as that and, and he's called that, I mean, that seems something like that I would – you know, if, if I'm Tim Anderson, I, w- I would want to be called that. That That's a great honor, I would imagine. But um, maybe he took it as a bit of a, of a knock. Look – this stuff comes up occasionally. Um, I don't think Josh Donaldson's a racist. I don't know him personally. I'm also not one to ever say someone is. Um, we, we don't know him. I don't know him personally. Um, as far as do I think he meant in the ill will, I mean, no, especially when Tim Anderson's referred to himself as it. Um, you know, and he has COVID anyway, Josh Donaldson, so he won't be there for a game anyway. So yeah, it kind of worked it, out, it, I guess. It is crazy because, I mean, first of all, you got to question somebody that says, yeah, uh, you know, I'm 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 Jackie Robinson, or I'm, and he's trying to make uh, a statement here. You know, I'm not even sure why you would say that. And here's the statement. I think, like you said, going back to to two or three years ago, I kind of feel like today today's Jackie Robinson. Uh, that's huge to say, but it's cool, man, because he changed the game, and I feel like. I'm changing the uh, the game too to a point where I need to change the game. So I, I don't know. I mean, why would you say that about yourself? I mean, Tim Anderson, wh- talk about, you know, uh, what has Daryl Morey ever won? What has Tim Anderson ever done? What has he ever won? Has he won any batting titles? He hasn't won any championships yeah. as far as I know. But why would you put yourself out there in, in comparing yourself to one of the greatest that's ever played and obviously broke the color barrier, broke the race barrier, but a fantastic player as well, too. He could have picked anybody else, and this wouldn't even be a story. I mean, compare yourself to somebody five, ten years ago, a, a black player or whatever. But it, it's just ludicrous. And so if a player like Josh Donaldson or anybody else is going to make a comment, you would think they would maybe have some fun with this and not turn into a racial thing. Yeah, look, I'll give it to Tim Anderson. I mean, he's had a couple of good seasons, but, yeah, I mean, it seems a little bit uh, out there as far as, you know, kind of – look, I'm all for – you know, I'm pretty arrogant myself, um, you know, but I'm not going to, you know, say that I'm, you know, anything. I, I, you know, I guess he thinks highly of himself. You know, good for him. He had a great year last year. I mean, a pretty good year during the, the 2020 COVID year as well. But, yeah, I mean, maybe dial it back a little bit. And, again, if, if Josh Donaldson referred to him this rant as this randomly or something – uh, then that would be a little bit more out of line. As far as what he said, though, I don't know. Maybe he read the story recently. Maybe he read up on, on the plane about Tim Anderson. I don't know. Um, but 
it's definitely uh, something that Tim Anderson maybe should dial back a little bit. I mean, maybe he just thinks highly of himself. I don't know. All right. All right. Uh, we'll be watching uh, the NBA tonight. And you know what else Jeff Nadeau is going to be watching tonight? He's going to be watching the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. That's a, or listening to the Las Vegas Aces. Jeff's all in. The WNBA laying the 10.5 tonight. Is, is that the deal, yo, man? Yeah, I, you know, you kind of coaxed me into it. I'm definitely going to do it. Um, why not have a little fun? Hey, I'm I, a big Asia Wilson fan, as I said. I am not coaxing you into into that, man. I, you know, I won't blame you. You, you were you were fired up, man. You were you were fired up early this morning. You're talking about no, I love Asia. You know, I'm going to bet him. I'm going to do it. I said, there you go. It is a big number, Jeff. It is a big number to lay. You know, with the yeah. uh, but uh, Aces are playing some good basketball, man. So you know, no, they are, and and that's. I want a team playing well, you know, early season. I will also say, as I, I have the Las Vegas people in front of uh, us here, I'm sure a lot of people in, in that part of the world are reading up on this Lake Mead stuff, okay? And as a mafia expert, you know that. Um, I have a podcast about the mafia. It's, it's incredibly unlikely we'll ever find out who those folks are in those barrels. Um, so don't try to be an amateur sleuth. You probably won't figure it out. It's incredibly difficult, especially with how long they've likely been there, to probably figure anything out. Maybe dental records, but that's about it. There it is. Jeff is a mob expert. That's right. And uh, go ahead, uh, tout the the podcast so people could could check you out. Yes. Yeah, no, if you like the mafia, I've got about 60 episodes of a podcast called The Sit Down. It's one of the best in the genre. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. We've talked about some Vegas stuff, Tony Spilatro, a lot of Chicago people. So, yeah. Uh, I just found that interesting. I keep seeing a lot of stuff about Lake Mead, uh, the 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 the, yeah. the reservoirs uh, uh, going down and down and down. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a definitely an issue, and there's uh, there, there's some bodies there. We we know that, no doubt. Yep. All, right, all right, my man. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, we will uh, look forward to uh, hitting with you tomorrow, and uh, hopefully we get some baseball winners tonight. Looking forward to it. Good luck, TC. Thanks for having me, my man. You got it, brother. There is Jeff Nadeau. Uh, he's on the MLB show with me on BetUS TV. Catch us uh, along with base winner Mark Borchard, uh, 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, Jeff, a longtime handicapper there in Philadelphia, PA. And, yes, a mob expert. There you go. I, I can't debate any, any mob movies with him. You know. All right, we come back. We've got Marco D'Angelo. He joins us next Marco, victorious, cashing tickets, and eating well after hitting the Superfecta. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. And who predicted it? None other than our guy, Marco D'Angelo, cashing tickets, eating chicken, or maybe eating oysters. I don't know what he's eating. 
Br- brisket for breakfast. What's going on, my man? No oysters in this camp. That's one thing you can count on. <laughs> you and me both. There you go. So we go to Blue Ribbon. We don't even have to look at the seafood por- portion of that menu, right? Because you know, a lot of times I'll take people there, and they want to do the oysters. And I've learned a lot from taking different people there where they said, okay, well, you know, there's a difference between the East Coast oysters and the West Coast oysters. And I go, what are you talking about? And then, yeah, so I've, I've, I still won't try it. But uh, that's the thing, I guess, Marco. But I- I'm out. And it sounds like yeah, you I'm are too. Yeah, I'm out on oysters, but you can sign me up for the rest of the seafood. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Congratulations, my friend. So Friday at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, uh, we're we're handicapping the Preakness, or actually Marco is handicapping the Preakness. <sighs> it's one. I'm full disclosure. I have no problem embarrassing myself on the show. I got no problem. <laughs> All day, I said to myself, I got to go bet this thing. Eight five four two. I think it was eight, right. Eight five four two. Eight four five two. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, and, and I said, you know, you know, Marco's on. Is Marco? On. As you know, I had an Aces game that day, and then by the time I I got out of there, of course, I didn't have enough time to to go make the bet. And I said, I and I started handicapping like early in the morning, and I'm going like, nah. I was looking back at the notes that we were taking on Friday, and I go, this makes a lot of sense. I I, I just had a pretty good feeling, but then I got. So uh, engulfed in my my other job, Marco. I, I I'm guilty. I I didn't I didn't do it. And it sounded like I probably would have made a little bit of money if I. Here's what I was gonna do. I was just gonna go straight box. I was gonna go box. You know uh, the eight five four two. Just straight box. So that would have cost me what twenty four bucks or is that right? No, a dollar. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty four bucks. And uh, so early voting wins thirteen forty for the win four sixty to place three sixty to show epicenter uh, another rough ride for him two eighty and two forty creative minister four twenty the two dollar exact a five eight paid twenty five eighty and then the try of five eight two now this is weird Marco because since when did we go to a fifty cent try I always remember a dollar try but they say the fifty cent try paid sixty six fifty did we get rid of the dollar try somewhere. Well, they they put it up at the smaller level. They they like people to be able to have more combinations, but it, it's still the math is the math. Yeah, right. you you multiply it out. We would be playing a dollar box uh, when we're doing it, and uh, yeah, and not only that, you Superfecta was there too. Yes, the four horses we gave on the show. Right. We didn't give it in the exact order, but as you said, if we boxed it, you hit the exacta, you hit the try. You hit the superfecta, right. you know. All right, to make me feel you know worse now, or maybe better than maybe I didn't make, I wouldn't have made that much if I would have boxed those, you know, those four horse, four horses for say the the try or the superfecta. How much money would I have to lay out, and how much would I have gotten in return? Well, the superfecta, you would have spent uh, twenty four dollars, and you would have got back one sixty two. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a that's a nice little eight x return. Uh, you yeah. can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll, I, I, buy, I, that'll buy some chicken for me at the Blue River. For for him, not for me, but for him. Do you notice that? That's nice. I like that. Yeah, well, wait, wait, hey, hold on. Doesn't no. the winner buy? Is it like you feel gracious? And I'm sure you took your wife out. And you don't say, hey, TC, I'll take you out. You know? No? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it works that uh, it's uh, all of your listeners yeah. that 
I made happy on Friday's show, yeah. that your gratitude for me making that's like your listeners are your family, TC. This is true. Don't you like when I make your family money? Uh, absolutely, I do. I, uh, <laughs> I usually like if it trickles down. I, I wish it was like a pyramid scheme where it tr- trickles down a little bit, you know, but I don't think that's the case. Well, since we're talking of horses, have you ever heard the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, jeez. So, Marco, hitting that preakness had to make you feel a little bit better than what we had two weeks ago, right? Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, with the epicenter finishing second two weeks ago was a punch in the gut. But, uh, you know, he raced You know, he raced good again. The situation uh, after the race, everybody was criticizing Joel Rosario's ride with epicenter uh, because he took back, uh, you know, so far at the start of the race. Uh, part of that was he broke out of the gate poorly. Uh, and when he did, he also got pinched coming out of the gate. Uh, a couple horses uh, pinched him off there. So he had to end up going straight to the rail. Uh, Rosario made the move to save ground. And when he was making his move, just when he was starting to make the move and trying to split horses, the hole got shut off on him, and he had to go back to the rail. He tried to come out, and then he had to go back. When he got the horse in gear late, he was closing a lot of ground. But if you go back and watch the replay, uh, Irad Ortiz on early voting coming down the stretch. He's in the middle of the racetrack. He looked over his shoulder both ways, and he saw Rosario coming with Epicenter. He was three or four lengths back yet, but uh, Rosario, or excuse me, uh, Ortiz made the move, and he did a hard left-hand turn to the rail saying, if you're going to come up the rail, you're going to have to come up the rail and around me. And uh, that proved to be, uh, you know, the final winning move for early voting, and he got the win. And as I said, we did get a slower half. Uh, they overcompensated after the suicide fractions that went on in the Derby, and they had an honest pace, but it, it was a lot slower than we saw in the Derby, and it made closing uh, the closing horses that much tougher to get there. Marco, you handicapped this thing perfectly. And again, I think that's why I was sold on it. It made a lot of sense. And I asked you on Friday the first thing, is this a good race to bet? And and you said and just uh, and again, I like I like these races that have eight or nine horses. You know, the Derby I've really never had too much success with with you know the twenty horse field and all that other nonsense. I do like the shorter fields. And I understand the prices are not gonna pay as big, but it just seems like you can handicap them better. You can, and for the most part, you know, they run truer to form. Uh, you know, I mean, like you said, everything we said, the two horses that were going to be on the lead were on the lead. Uh, you know, I mentioned the one-horse simplification that a lot of people were talking about, and I said, forget this horse. That race was counterfeit. All he did was pass in the final quarter dead horses. So, uh, you know, it, it all played out. Uh, simplification ended up finishing sixth out of the nine horses. And the two horses I said that were complete pitches finished last and next to last. Perfect. So, That's it. Yeah, not much more we can do than that. <laughs> all right, so we know that there wasn't a lot of hype with this race because after Rich Strike won and said, you know, the 80-1 to shot in the Derby and not running – in the Preakness, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a little lackluster buildup. And I was looking at the crowd at Pimlico on Saturday. They said they only had 60,000. We say only 60. We know that this race has drawn over 100,000, 120,000 in the, in the past. 
was this because in I don't you can't blame COVID, but wasn't it just because there was no chance for a triple crown winner? Absolutely. That's the one, you know, bright spot about the preakness. It's always significant because 99 out of 100 times, the horse that wins the Derby, unless, you know, he's lame, uh, comes out of the race with an injury, he's going to race in the Preakness. It doesn't happen very often that the Derby or the Derby winner bypasses the Preakness. By doing that this year, it made the Preakness, you know, really just another horse race. And unfortunately for the horse racing industry, you know, that's the thing. It's not center stage. There was hockey on Saturday, playoff games, NBA playoffs. Um, you know, I was, you know, on the strip or actually downtown at a sports book and, you know, 20 some TV screens, you know, there's a lot going on other than the horse racing. And it's just another day when the triple crown's not on the line. That'll be the same case for the Belmont because, uh, you know, obviously no triple crown there, but there will be a little bit of interest in the Belmont simply because, if Rich Strike shows up like he says he's going to, people want to see, was that a fluke or not in the Derby? So they will tune in to see that, but nowhere near what it would have been had it have been a, you know, a, a Triple Crown uh, potential race. Does Epicenter run in the Belmont? You know, after these two hard races, finishing second both times, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they skip it. Um, for me... If I was the owner here, and I know it's you know it's a triple crown race, you want to win one of them. I think I might bypass the you know the third race in five weeks and get myself ready for either the Haskell or the Travers, which would be you know the next big race here you know on the East Coast side of things. Um, you know if you wanted to go west, which I doubt they would do with this horse. You know you've got the Delmar meet coming in uh, July, but I would look for him in either the the Haskell or the. Uh, Travers Stakes. All right, Marco D'Angelo joins us, wagertalk.com. Check out Marco there with his picks. Doesn't matter the sports all over. And, of course, the horse owner and horse handicapper as well, too. And we will be talking about the Belmont here uh, coming up in three weeks as well. All right, so NBA Conference uh, Finals tonight. We've got the Eastern Conference Finals. We've got some injuries. We've got the line moving. Uh, Boston, congratulations, Marco. You called it on Friday saying that uh, Miami was going to you know, take care of business there on Saturday, which they did uh, as, as an underdog. And now we come back, and I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, here we go with Boston. They need to bounce back here, and they are going to bounce back. But, man, Boston was just thoroughly outplayed from the beginning of that game. They made a little bit of run in the fourth quarter, but they weren't coming back. I mean, Miami just blasted them. But now we've got an injury with Jimmy Butler. We've got Tyler Hero will not play tonight. He's out, and he's a big piece to this Miami Heat team. Kyle Lowry did play a little bit last game. Now it sounds like he's not going to play. So it sounds like all of the money is coming here on the Celtics. Uh, are you zigzagging back to that side? I kind of zigzagging, and uh, I'll explain what I'm doing uh, with this game. And, you know, you are correct. Uh, you know, Miami had everything their own way uh, on Saturday. I'm looking at this one now, and if you look at the Celtics, since the playoffs have begun, they have not lost two games in a row. You know, so we're talking, you know, whether – as you like to say, the bounce back, like I like to say, the zigzag, that's definitely in play. 
but man, are you paying a price for it? They lost on Saturday. And they, you know, it was only a six-point final, but as you said, they made it you know look more respectable late. That game never was a six-point game. Uh, you know, Miami was out from pillar to post in that game uh, with the lead. You got to lay seven now. They're making you lay you know a, a hefty tax to get on the Boston bandwagon. I like Boston, but I'm not really thrilled about laying the seven points here. I am looking at this game, and what I'm going to do with the game is I'm going to take Boston on the money line. Now, I'm not going to go to the window and plunk down, you know, minus 275 on them, but what I'm going to do is tie them in a money line parlay uh, with, you know, some baseball plays that I like tonight. And the one play that I, you know, I do like that uh, it also gives you the benefit of not laying a price with them is to take them with the L.A. Dodgers tonight. We've got the Dodgers playing uh, Washington. Washington's returning after a road trip. I like to go against those teams in that situation. And you've got uh, the matchup pitching-wise where it is a big lopsided scenario. The pitcher going for Washington, he's been a train wreck all year. And he's got a 31-23 to strikeout-to-walk ratio this year. Don, that's not what you want to see from a pitcher, especially going against the lineup of the Dodgers that could have this guy in the showers before the third or fourth inning. So I am going to go ahead, take the Dodgers, and hook them up with Boston. To give you two stats, though, if you do want to lay the points with them tonight, awful loss as a favorite this season. Upset loss, Boston is rebounded 13-5 and against the spread. Also, Boston this season, after scoring 105 points or less in their previous game, oh, guess what? They are 21-9 and nine against the spread in their next game. So a lot of support for the Boston side. I like Boston. If you want to you know, go ahead and lay the seven, I can't talk you out of it, but I'm going to feel a lot better uh, with my money line parlay, and I'm sure – I can just tell you're going to have a teaser. <laughs> tell me. Yeah, I know you are. I'm going to tout you on it, Marco. That's right. You tease the Celtics down along with the Aces. There you go, my friend. There is your two-team teaser pleaser, brother. Everyone else is going to go run out to the window and do it. Marco D'Angelo should as well, too. You're, handy. you're giving me horses. I'm giving you teaser pleasers, brother. <laughs> you got to admit that sounds good. You got yeah, it. Yeah, I, I knew. I knew before we even came on the air what you were going to tell me. But I'm also going to tell you this: that uh, the Dodgers are one of my plays as well, too. And just to add a, a little more flavor on there for you, a little more powdered sugar on your pancakes, there, my friend, or your waffles. Okay, Jan Adon. That's right. One of the the goofiest names out there. Jan Adon is going for the Nationals tonight. And yeah, Marco's right. Thirty-one walks. Tw- uh, rather, thirty-one strikeouts. Twenty. Three walks, an ERA of six point three eight. Adon is one in seven. The Nats have lost seven of their last ten, and uh, in his eight starts, he's only gone past the fifth inning once. And let's remember this: uh, Juan Soto is struggling big time. Davey Martinez has moved him down the lineup from two to three. He's three for his last twenty-five. Nelson Cruz is injured, probably is not going to play tonight. And this Dodger lineup is going to rake a Don. Uh, you got Trey Turner coming back home. I think Freddie Freeman's going to have a, a big night as well, too. Uh, yeah, and the Dodgers, uh, their last four wins have all been by at least two runs, Marco. 
I'm actually going to play the run line here myself. I'm not a big run line guy, but I'll do it in these instances where I got a garbage pitcher I'm going against and I get my nine at bats with the visiting team. I'm not huge, a great Tyler Anderson fan, even though he's a he's a Las Vegas native, but he has pitched pretty well as of late. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you with the Dodgers. Yeah, in uh, with uh, Anderson there, the situation with him is he's played. He's had two bad starts, and that's inflated his ERA. The other four starts were all good, yep. uh, and he's coming off his best start of the season. So I like the fact uh, that he is coming off that good outing, uh, had a high strikeout rate in that game. So I don't have a problem with the Dodgers. And, you know, I set you up for your teaser, but you just came right back and, set, and confirmed my money line parlay, too, because my money yep. line parlay is bringing back you know, basically even money. Yes. So it's like I'm making a, you know, a straight wager. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. That's, that's strong too. Uh, all right. Uh, all right, my friend, I appreciate it as always. Go uh, check him out at Marco. Uh, he's a Marco in Vegas on Twitter. And of course at wagertalk.com. Uh, Marco's doing well on the baseball side. And of course, uh, we know he's doing well on the basketball side as well too. So uh, good luck to you, my friend. And real quick, are you going to have any action on the Warriors tomorrow night as they try to close it out? Uh, last night, I was actually on the Warriors. Uh, I, that line went up to Dallas three and a half. And I said, I'm going to take a shot with the Warriors here. Oh, of course, I teased it too. But anyway, uh, uh, any action tomorrow in game four? I'm leaning, I'm leaning to Dallas not to get swept at home just yeah. because we've seen this Golden State team at times yes. not show that focus. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are going to ride them after the last game and, you know, put the fork in Dallas. And, you know, when you put the fork in somebody, you say that, they, they generally come back with a big effort. Yeah, I want no part of game four with the Warriors uh, tomorrow. And it's, and it's hard to back a team that, you know, is down three love, too. So for me, it's probably a stay away. But, yeah, I can understand if you're going to play the game uh take a look at the Mavs I get that all right my friend we'll let you go appreciate it as always uh, uh continue enjoying all of your your fine seafood <laughs> I will see you Friday my man you got it there he is Marco D'Angelo wager talk I appreciate Marco joining us today Jeff Nadu as well TJ Rees from Tampa Bay and of course Olden Polonese good to hear from OP that's right the former NBA big man uh, talking uh, the NBA playoffs and the state of the game with him. Great stuff. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Go check out the interview page. Uh, all that's updated there. We've got a lot of our, our great interviews from the past couple months are up there. So if you miss any of those great interviews, they're all up there with our all-star cast list. Go check it out under the interview page. And then the classic interview page, uh, some older ones and some uh, some great ones as well, too. And, of course, our, our aces. Uh, blog is up there talking about the Aces. Liz Cambage comes back as a member of the LA Sparks tonight. I know Numchuk uh, will be watching. Oh, he'll be watching Liz's OnlyFans page. That's right. Anyway, uh, 7 o'clock tonight, 6.30 is the pregame. You can join me on the radio side, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, 6.30. Becky Hammond joins me for the pregame show, as well as KP, Kelsey Plum. And we tip it off at the Mandalay Bay at 7 p.m. tonight. Have yourself a good one. Miss any part of the show, go to tcmartinshow.com.